everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. This is my chance to talk to people from around the world of entertainment about marketing and selling experiences to everyone else. Today's guest is Kara Parkinson from Audience View. Um, this is a very exciting conversation for me because Kara comes not from a background in entertainment and tickets, but she comes from a background in technology and small business and marketing. Um, she worked with Intuit and Apple and like tons of really, really, really great uh, companies where she had a chance to learn the marketing process. We haven't had a chance to talk about that a lot on this podcast yet, but that is one of the core and key ideas that I try to offer to everybody, which is that it makes you a better marketer if you have a wider variety of experiences. So we touch on that. We talk about what packaged goods relate, how that relates to tickets, um, understanding how to set the proper goals and focus on what you're trying to achieve, um, opportunity and desires, uh, you know, how to say thank you, uh, where opportunities lie in the world of tickets, um, why it's okay to fail, how to encourage failure, uh, storytelling, opportunities. I mean, we get to a ton of stuff. This is a really awesome conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Kara, thank you for being on the Business of Fun podcast. How are you? Excellent. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. Okay, awesome. Well, I wanted to have you on because we've been friends now for a few months, and we met in Birmingham at uh, the Ticketing Professionals Conference, and what I really dug was that you have a background that is not necessarily exclusive to entertainment. It, you is, In fact, this is maybe your first job in entertainment and tickets. It and, is, yeah. And, and so I think what, what I've found over the time is that I've developed, and over time, this is like the eighth podcast, a preference to learn, like to help my audience understand that you can learn things from everywhere. So that's why I wanted to have you on today because I think we can learn a lot because you've done all kinds of crazy stuff, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is, I think it'll be fun. Um, you know, so I, I'll start out by asking you about this idea, this concept of being, of stop being so insular because you said that when you started at audience view, um, one of the things that really helped you learn the industry pretty quickly is you started cold calling audience view clients to ask them <laughs> what they do. I did. <laughs> and audience view clients, non-clients, just random, literally going, looking on websites for, um, for performing arts venues and trying to find someone who had ticketing somewhere in their title and say, okay, I don't really know what this industry is that I'm interviewing for, but I'd love if you could tell me what is your day-to-day -day look like? How do you measure yourself? What is your objective? What are the challenges you're coming up with? Because I really wanted to understand what the opportunity was. It was, you know, obviously, at, you know, at, at the age and stage I'm at, I've been to lots of concerts, looked to lots of athletic, you know, lots of sports um, and bought lots of tickets, but it just didn't, I just didn't perceive it as an industry. I didn't realize it was just something that was there. So it was this great opportunity to really get their perspective and say, what is this business that you're doing? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and really fall in love with this, with this business. Um, you know, my career, because I've done, you know, like, like you mentioned, I've done just this wild and crazy bunch of things. I started in consumer packaged goods. I did sales strategy and did sales and category management, which is, you know, this in marketing. And it was all about, at that point, it was about understanding these retailers. So understanding my customers, understanding what they needed to achieve, what they wanted out of for their business 
and through the product that I was selling through them. Um, and having to rely on that data to say, okay, this is what, this is what the needs are. This is what's happening. This is what's working with them and not working, not working for them. And that, you know, that process, that way of thinking really translate business. That's what we do in business is we say, what is, you know, what are the needs of my customers and how do I, you know, what do they want and how do I achieve that? Um, I used to have a, I had a manager at one point that said, um, it's what's in it, you know, the customer wants to know what's in it for me. Nobody cares about what you're selling. Nobody cares what you have. They want to know what, what you're going to deliver to them, what experience you can bring them, what taste you can bring them, what, whatever you can bring them. And that's so consistent everywhere I've been. That's, that's exactly right. There's, um, that's like the big question is what does the customer want? Because I think, and I'm going to ask you a different question in a second, but I think one of the things I found, you know, bouncing in and out and do it, working with organizations kind of all across a wide range is that it's easy for us and us being whichever industry we're focusing on at the time to think about things from like our vantage point, from what's value, what we perceive value to be. Yet often the consumer has an entirely different perception of what value is. And if we don't ask, then there's like a tremendous disconnection between mm-hmm. what we're offering and what the customer wants or needs or expects. And that mm-hmm. creates a, um, you know, that missed opportunities is what it creates. But what I wanted to ask you was knowing now that you've been at audience view for eight months and that you came in kind of cold from the outside, you know, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned so far, as far as, about the industry, about some of the challenges and opportunities that you've you've seen and, de- and under- begun to understand in the, the time you've been on this side of the, um, the of the business. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I'm very very new in the industry and have a fairly limited scope of what I can see. But something that's come really clear to me is that there really is both a desire and an opportunity for people within our industry to learn from to learn from other industries. And there are great ideas wherever, you know, wherever you look and that there's a real opportunity to stretch outside of, you know, stretch outside of the own business where we can get really insular and say, what are other people doing to engage their customers? What are other, you know, what are ways that other businesses are saying thank you to their customers? How are other businesses leveraging, you know, in, in ticketing, in live entertainment, this business of live entertainment that we have, there is such great data about the customers. I love that. That's, you know, been what, something that's really exciting to me about the product that, you know, the product that I'm working on, the product that we're um, developing and selling as an organization, um, that with through my product and others, obviously, you can really truly know your customer. And when you get a really great software that allows you to do that CRM, you can you can leverage that to engage them in a unique ways, to thank them in unique ways, to get them into your um, get them into your building going forward. And those great ideas of how you can do that and do that in a cost effective way don't have to just come from ticketing. So, um, you know, one example, um, I was talking with some some people in my team about this the other week. We we're talking about ways you can say thank you to your customers. And I bought a cutting board from an Etsy vendor of all things. And it's, you know, it's a guy who does woodworking at home and got this beautiful cutting board from him. 
And he took the opportunity to send me a handwritten note to say thank you and offered me a discount to get something else from him. And it's a handwritten note to your customers costs you nothing. It's a little, it's time and nothing else, but people don't do that anymore. And that's just, it was so surprising to me that, that they would take the opportunity to do that. And, you know, they had my address cause they shipped me this board and, you know, just to, to do those thoughtful things and leverage that information. You know, you look at, a big company like Facebook. So Facebook, you know, every year I get silly birthday things or it's your anniversary. You've been on Facebook for five years. They're leveraging the data and we have such great opportunities to do that in ticketing. Hey, you, this is your 10th show. Hey, it's your birthday. If you, you know, if they have to put their birthdays in for credit card or whatever to thank your customers for coming to engage them, to leverage, um, leverage your systems to ask unique questions that allow you to give them great experiences. Yeah. And the way you put it, we're about asking questions that mm -hmm. that's meaningful to me because I often say that the greatest gift you have as a service provider or a, you know, in my case, a consultant is my ability to ask insightful questions. Mm -hmm. And I think by understanding that, Hey, like let's ask a question, right. Based on the data that we have, it really provides you the ability to, come up with some really powerful answers. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that, um, I'm not sure if they're a competitor of yours or not, but I had Martin Gameltoff on recently to talk about the advances in artificial intelligence and how it mm -hmm. can develop, um, help you ask better questions or like come up with these insights. And, and it, it's, you know, for the cost of a stamp, right? Or the cost of a program, you can create a really, really, really meaningful engagement for mm -hmm. somebody and we all i mean i think you and i probably you know not being always tied to entertainment understand how expensive it is to get a customer mm -hmm. and that if you can keep that customer um you know it's just incredibly valuable and the lifetime customer value is just off the charts if you you know and especially if you're spending a dollar or two on it right mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's incredible yeah now i I want to ask you another thing when we talk about leveraging data, right? And I know that, you know, at Audience View, you have a huge, you know, platform that people can engage. And I'm sure that probably um, a lot of people just either due to um, probably manpower issues, maybe don't get the, the opportunity to always leverage the platform as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to turn it into like a commercial for audience view because I think that would be boring for the audience. But what I do want to ask about is like, you know, using your platform or using some of the stuff you've learned from both inside and outside the in industry as far as leveraging data to drive people into a venue or to get them mm -hmm. to buy tickets or become, uh, make a subscription purchase or something of this. Um, you know, I would, can you point us to like one or two things that maybe are platform agnostic that where you can use, leverage your data to, mm -hmm. to understand, you know, to become closer to your, your audience and turn mm -hmm. them into, you know, bigger and better customers? Yeah. You know, I think, I think any platform, and, you know, obviously very proud of the audience view innovation ticks platforms that we have and what they can do. But we, you know, I think most platforms, you can see patterns in how your customers are engaging with you and your venue and your offerings. Um, if I use an example from outside the industry, just to carry a theme, my most recent role prior to coming to audience, prior to coming to ticketing was I worked at a company called Intuit. So Intuit, if you don't know it, 
they make um, the product that I usually tell people about is TurboTax. I worked on a product called QuickBooks, which is accounting software for small businesses. Um, but what we had done is we had set up, because we have millions and millions of customers, set up triggers to say, to watch these customers and say, is there a change in how they're, how they're engaging with us? Is there a change in behavior? Because that's an indicator that they're leaving us. We can do that same thing in ticketing. We can do that same thing through audience, through ovation ticks, and um, probably in different ways through the different platforms that people are using to manage their ticketing. That you can say, okay, this person came to six shows last year. They came to six shows the year before that. This year, they've only come to one. Why? What's happened? What's changed? Why aren't they? Why aren't they coming? And that's a really great opportunity for you to reach out and do that engagement. Give give that personal touch and say, you know, what's driven that change in your in your attendance and your behavior. Um, you can, you know, you can celebrate milestones with them. You can say happy birthday. You can say, you know happy anniversary or, you know, ask them questions. Are you coming for a special occasion? Is there a reason you're coming to the show and make that extra special for them? Um, you can use, I think, I don't know if this is, this isn't ask using the, the data that's already entwined in it, but one of the things you could do, one example, when you're doing your checkout by flow um, in, in your product, which, you know, something you can do in audience view. One of the guys had told me this example that they had used before they were selling waitress and they asked in the waitress by flow, what's your favorite kind of pie? Which just seems like a funny, innocuous question that they're checking out. They're buying their tickets. And what they did was on the bottom half of the ticket, on the printed home tickets, they included a recipe for that pie, for that favorite kind of pie on the bottom of that, on the bottom of that ticket, which obviously ties in really, really well to that show. But then what they were able to do for their VIPs, their subscribers, for their big donors, when they arrived at the show, they could have a pie sitting on their chair, their favorite flavor of pie sitting in their chair waiting for them with a little note that says, I'm so glad you're here. And I just thought, you know, what a brilliant way to leverage the power of your software, to leverage your data, to take advantage of the fact that your customers engage with you, to ask them a question and make that experience even better when they're there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really awesome. The, the what's your favorite kind of pie line is uh, something that a, um, a kid who's now not a kid anymore uh, who wants to go in, he, he was like, that was always his question. He would, anytime he would meet people when he was like eight or nine or 10 years old, this kid that grew up around me, uh, he would be like, what's your favorite kind of pie? And I was like, but, and it's really great because it's very <laughs> memorable. I mean, who, who really asks you what your favorite kind of pie is? And then you tie it into actually putting a pie on, you know, your most important customer's chairs right mm -hmm. because then too if you're if you're smart and you're asking the question why right which is really like a secret weapon question you mm -hmm. can go well why are you coming right and you find out maybe it's not that them coming right maybe it's like a client oh my yep. gosh well what's this client about right i mean yep. i tell people when i worked um with american express on the black card i sold 10 million dollars in tickets personally one year and mm -hmm. most of the time it was by asking why right why you know, why do you need to get the client, you're, you, you know, why are you getting tickets to the Yankees game? Or why do you need mm -hmm. to see the producers? And you would open up a whole door to a conversation that made those people tremendously dedicated to you, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think we can both agree because, you know, from everywhere is that this dedication is so valuable because you don't want to have to recreate the customers over and over again. And it's just... Mm -hmm. And I don't think why is asked nearly enough when in the decision-making process. Yeah, it's such a powerful question. And it's a powerful question, too, as you're, as marketers at a, a live events venue or as, you know, 
as an executive team, as an executive director, as you're planning what you're going to do going forward. Um, you know, a really great research method that I've used quite a bit in the past, something I literally did monthly when I was working with a broad range of small businesses, something I wanted to do more and more here. I've only had a chance to do it with a few. I think I'm at four customers now in the eight months since I've been there is literally go and sit down with that customer, ideally go to their venue, sit in their box office with them, watch what their day looks like. So that's from my perspective. But if you could sit down, you find, you know, sit down with some of your customers, tell me about your experience. So you, you asked the surveys, I was at come from away last week. Um, I went with a bunch of girlfriends and went, there's a Mervish theater right by, that, right by your office. I went and saw come from away. And I got the question after I got this, I got this, um, got the survey after tell me about your experience why did you enjoy it like that was amazing I you know I think most organizations do that they do that follow-up questionnaire do it right away when you're still on the high I was still you know when you still have the dried tears on your cheek I was oh, here's the best show I've ever seen and then you have this really great rating that you can share with people going forward um, but having that additional conversation to sit down and say have that why have that tell me about Tell me about your experience. Tell me what this looks like from your perspective. Tell me why you want to come to the theater. Tell me, you know, what frustrated you. I'd love, you know, this where you can find these one-on-ones. You can find those conversations to go with that survey. You get some of those, you get some of the best insights. You, you need to combine the two. You need to buy, provide that qualitative and quantitative so you have a well-rounded research. But those one-on-one conversations, that's where, I think that's where some of the best insights come from. But myself and having been in marketing for 20 years for, I think, for others as you develop your solutions. Yeah. Well, let me add, you know, the way you just explained it brought a question to my mind that I've asked, mm. I think, several times now. Um, so it, it may not be a shock, but or it's a, I guess it's something that I've seen and it, it's, it's troubling to me and it's also concerning is the way that we use data. And mm-hmm. it seems that it's become very easy lately to allow data to dictate our decisions as opposed mm-hmm. to using the data to test a hypothesis. And, you know, I, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems that there's too much of this, like, we let data dictate our decision-making process, and it creates an environment and a situation and a customer experience that's um, anodyne and that's, like, kind of, like, soulless. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so do you have any ways that you make sure that, like, you either advise clients or that like just internally that you keep that from happening for you and your clients. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I have, because I started in package goods, package goods are very data heavy and you just, you know, you, you read. And I went from there of all places, went and worked at Apple, which was just a very, it was a very big jump in terms of how they approach things. And it, when I was at Apple, it was much, you know, I had, they used that analogy. I'd heard that analogy so many times, you know, the, if, um, if Ford had asked, you know, what the, what is potential customers wanted, he would have built a faster horse. Sometimes you just got to believe in something and you jump in it, but you still measure and test it after. So if I rely only on the data, there's just things you're not going to see. Things don't always come clear from data. Sometimes you got to go with your gut and you say, Hey, I just feel like this is a really great idea. And I'm going to try it out. And the key is, um, it's okay to fail. Failure is great. Failure is a way to learn. And not every program you're going to create, not every offering you're going to do is going to be, 
you know, not every marketing campaign is going to be a success. But the, tr- the key is to know in advance, okay, how am I going to know, plan ahead, is that, how am I going to know if it's a failure or a success? So you fail fast and you don't keep, if you're not measuring the effectiveness of what you're doing, and if you're not, if you don't set yourself a performance indicator, you don't set yourself a, hey, I want to get, you know, an 80, you know, I want to sell 300 tickets using this special program. I want to see if I can gain 100 subscribers doing it. If you launch this program and you get two subscribers out of it, that's fine. You've learned something. It's, you know, you said, okay, I'm going to go with my gut. I don't know that it's going to work. I don't have any data to say I know this is going to happen or I know this can work for me. You make that jump, but use your data after to say, nope, didn't work. So you get, so you move on to the next thing. Yeah, and I, I think maybe, and you tell me if you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but mm-hmm. it also sounds like part of the thing is you encourage failure by limiting the destruction that failure can have, right? Yeah. I, I had a conversation with a friend um, at um, the last night or the night before about this thing because he was like, going, "Oh, do you know this guy because he's involved in tickets?" I, I did, and I was like, "One, mm-hmm. we philosophically are." exactly the opposite because he is a gambler and I am always, and, and I probably am like more of a traditional entrepreneur where I'm trying to limit my risk. Mm-hmm. So let me, so this begs the question, at least from my point of view is, you know, how can we encourage failure in organizations, but also helping them understand how to limit the risk? Because a lot of times, at least in the feedback I receive, they don't, people don't want to take risks because they're worried about the destructive nature of failure, mm-hmm. even though they understand that they need to fail fast and often, but they don't want to be the first person to jump. So how can we encourage people to take more risk, you know, more strategic risks, I guess? Yeah. I think you need to have an organization and a leadership that's willing to let you do that. Um, you know, I'm, I have some, I have some, a team that's working for me and they are so much smarter than me. They are such good marketers and I learn so much from them every day. And if I, if I narrow down the options of what we can do based on just my experiences, then there, you know, these creative new ideas that they have are never going to happen. So you need to be, you need as a leader to say, okay, I'm willing to give this a try. I'm willing to, this is, I'm willing to say that this is how I'm okay with operating. But then you also the leadership needs to say, okay, but let's set that criteria. And that's where your experience comes in and say, okay, but what does, what does failure look like? What does success look like? And establish that in advance. And that's what you can do as a leader is say, Hey, this is, let's make sure, tell me before you start this, tell me what your KPIs are. So we know what success is going to look at, like, what failure is going to look like, and then, and then let them go. But you need to have a commitment to that as an organization. I've worked at some great organizations that let us do that. And I've worked at other organizations that just aren't willing. And I tell you, the places that are willing to, to do that are more exciting and more engaging. And, and they come up with some of the best ideas. Yeah, no, I mean, the outcome, like setting the, the boundaries, that's something that I do, right, when I'm working mm-hmm. on a project. I mean, that's, God, if you, have a, if you ever work with a consultant, let this be a lesson. If you, and your consultant doesn't talk about what does uh, success look like so that you can have something to measure it against or mm-hmm. to know where, what direction you're going, run. Don't walk, run. Or throw them out. Like, out of the whatever floor you're on, just throw them out the window. Um, yeah. you know, so that's very, very important advice. And then the idea of allowing people to fail. And, mm-hmm. you know, giving them the freedom to think because this, and this is, again, I think there's certain themes that have come up in the short time I've been doing this. And maybe this is a nature of the people I'm talking to is the 
willingness to allow people to learn because mm-hmm. I think too much um, is made of the idea that you have to have all the answers and none of us have all the answers. I mean, you know, I mean, you and I have had probably some like experiences that are, um, would be phenomenal to most people. Right. And, you, you, mm-hmm. and, and I think both of us probably are like, eh, whatever, you know, it's like it was just <laughs> the job at the time. Um, yeah. but you know, encouraging people to fail or to try new things and to, um, take risks is this yeah. really, really an important idea that I, that I, again, I want to reinforce as much as possible because mm-hmm. I mean, you and I both, we can't keep up with all the technologies and all the tools and, you know, Lord knows we can't, we, we, we can't keep up with, with what, what is hip <laughs> anymore. I mean, so that, I yeah. mean, it's like a really important uh, idea to reinforce, uh, you know, so that's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up now. Yeah. Let me ask you another thing, because we talked about the, the, the challenges or like where the opportunities and challenges lay in an industry from a, the standpoint of somebody who's new to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, you know, now that like you're kind of like an insider, you know, where are you going to, an insider, <laughs> in, in air quotes, I guess, right? Like, yeah. cause like any of us are insiders. Um, yeah. You know, where, where is your focus going to go for like the next six months or the next year now? You know, now that you have a better grasp of the industry, you know, what are you, what are you going to look at focusing on? Um, so the biggest, I think some of the biggest opportunities that I see, at least in the customer group I'm working with and, um, within the business that I'm at, um, we, you know, again, with the risk of sounding like like a commercial, we have some, I have some really powerful software that I'm working on that I'm really super proud of. And I think there's an opportunity, um, to work with our customers and say, hey, let's come up with, let's find all the ways that you can use this in a really unique way. So that whole idea of what risk can you take, how far can you take this, what more can you do, that's a really big push for what I'm doing and what I'm doing with my team is to say, hey, here's, don't be limited by, there is no limit of what the software can do, so let's not let you be limited by your imagination and make sure that we're sharing these really great ideas from across the industry globally. You know, we have, have customers in 15 different countries and they're all doing some really cool, unique things to bring, um, bring people into their, into their venues to engage their customers in unique and exciting ways. Um, and as a central marketing organization, we have an opportunity to bring those stories together. And that's a huge push of what I'm doing is to say, Hey, customers, the people that I'm working with, we are so excited. You know, I believe in you. I want you to be super duper successful. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to make sure that every idea that's out there that I can find, I'm going to make sure you know about it. So you can learn from what people are doing in unique ways across the industry. And then uh, collectively, um, because the hires that I've made most recently in in our organization are not from ticketing. It's people that like me that have those external experiences that are, you know, we're going to look outside of this industry and say, Hey, here's an idea that I think is really cool that I think you can bring to your venue. And here's the way you can do it. If you're, you know, if you're, um, you know, the little venue down the street that has 200 seats and this is how you can right size that to customers. We have like Wembley, here's the Wembley version of this. So how do you stretch this from, you know, this, the principle of what you're doing, that is a principle from inside or outside the industry and make it right size for you. And that's a huge, huge push of what I'm doing. My team is doing going forward in the next six months. 
Yeah, no, and, and I knew that you were bringing people in from outside the industry, so I kind of asked mm-hmm. that, and, you know, um, because again, that's like really, really valuable because they, there's no limit to the ideas, and mm-hmm. I think the, the application um, of different ideas that maybe aren't traditionally arts and entertainment focused is really a tremendous opportunity, and mm-hmm. the idea of finding the ideas and sharing them is, um, you know, that's really at the core of what I do. Uh, you know, and it's good to hear this at the core of what you do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and hopefully that it's going to stick with people because I think that it limits people's success a lot of times because, hey, we've all, and, and I, I know I shared before, we were talking about politics and some of the political projects I did. It's like, you know, this is the canvas and the boundaries we've always played within. And so mm-hmm. we can only do these certain things a certain way. And that's just not true, especially when you have like really powerful technology tools that shouldn't enable you to um, more effectively connect or communicate or, you know, reach people that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that, that, this yeah. sounds great. Um, before I let you go, because I know that you have yeah. a, a busy day, um, mm-hmm. you know, relaxing and working from home. Like <laughs> <me. laughs> I'm joking. Um, how can people find out more about you or, or where would you like to point people to find you if they yeah, wanted to connect? I, so I'm on Twitter at, um, it's at Parkinson Kara with Kara with K-A-R-A. Um, my company is at on Twitter at Audience View um, or AudienceView.com. And you can see we have a, some really cool products from B2C as well as B2B. Um, so the two software products as well as Theater Mania, What's on Stage. Just really engaged in the arts from end to end. So we'd love to, you know, love for you to reach out and find me there. You can find the company there. You can find me on Twitter or Parkinson Kara on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. And I'll make sure I link to everything in the show notes so that people can find you. So, you know, but um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I I hope everybody found, uh, you know, found the conversation as interesting as I did. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks again for listening to the business of fun podcast. As always, if you like the podcast, I wish you would subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, um, wherever you get your podcast. I believe we're there. Um, If you also like it and have subscribed, would you please leave a review? This stuff counts probably more than I imagine, and you as well. Also, feel free to reach out to me. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, suggestions for guests, ideas, any of this stuff by sending me an email. It is my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. You can also read my blog at my website, www.DaveWakeman.com. You can follow me on Twitter which is the only tricky one, which is at David Wakeman. I never go by David. Um, But until next time, take care, and I'll see you soon.